What are categories of thought you can use to develop a concept image? When constructing a concept image, I can think of at least seven different categories of ideas that provide unique paradigms through which to view each mathematical concept definition that we study. Number one, verbal descriptions. Formal concept definitions are written in highly technical jargon that may seem foreign upon first examination. When creating verbal descriptions to encode a concept definition, we must complete two related but independent tasks. First, we must be able to summarize the concept definition in our own words entirely and completely. This process requires us to code each technical word or phrase we encounter, create, and access mental maps of each underlying idea. Encode these ideas in words that make sense to us and synthesize a description of the concept definition that is entirely in our own words. In doing so, we must be sure to address possible inaccuracies in with our encoding to ensure that we have not lost any important information. The process of encoding a concept definition in our own language fully and completely is by far the hardest part and the most important part of creating a verbal description of a concept definition. However, if we plan on being a part of a community of working professionals who use these ideas, it is also important that we learn to use technical jargon associated with concept definitions correctly. In other words, the second task of creating a verbal description is to learn how to use each technical term correctly and to encode our understanding in the language of the field. Secondly, visual description. Many concept definitions can be effectively encoded using meaningful visuals. Such visuals include but are not limited to graphs, images, diagrams, or maps that help to encode the interpret an idea geometrically or visually. Often when in constructing a verbal description, it is useful to create an associated visual description with labels, annotations, and explicit connections between the words we choose and the corresponding diagram we create. Third, symbolic descriptions. Concept definitions in mathematics are also encoded using symbols and notation. There are two types of symbolic representations that might be helpful for us to refine our own concept images. First, there is a notation that others have created for us and that we decide to adopt. When studying mathematics in college, it is often wise to use the standard notation our professor introduces. As an expert in the field, our instructor might have made many choices about notation that will help us avoid confusion without communicating to why she made these choices. Unless we have made very compelling reason not to, we might choose to adopt the notation for our professor uses and ask for clarification about why our teacher made these choices for notation during office hours. On the other hand, there are some instances that we will want to create notation, such as variables, symbols, operations, etc., for ourselves. In this case, we will need to be careful to communicate the implied meaning of our notation to any person that creates our work. Fourth, algorithmic descriptions for pen and paper analysis. 
Many concept definitions in mathematics are related to specific algorithmic or procedural processes to find a specific result or execute a special calculation. In order to fortify a given concept image, we will find it very useful to analyze algorithms and procedures that relate to a specific set of concept definitions. 5. Logical Descriptions Concept definitions in mathematics are often encoded using formal logical structures such as conditional statements, con universal quantifiers, or existential quantifiers. The process of creating robust concept images often involves a detailed analysis of the logical structures implicitly stated in the concept definition. 6. Modeling Descriptions One of the most beautiful and frustrating dimensions of mathematical theory is this formal concept definitions are often abstracted away from the most powerful applications in which they arise. When encoding a concept definition, we can create nuanced meaning and deep understanding by identifying the idea with applied modeling scenarios in which the idea arises. This type of identification and integration empowers us to make connections between our non-math classes, our career interests, and the formal theory we learn in our classes. This type of work and encoding can lead to much higher levels of motivation and an intuitive grasp of a concept definition within our framework that interests us. Such knowledge can lead to concept images that are very sticky and form a bridge between our formal education, our social life, and our future career plans. This knowledge can also help us get paid. Lastly, algorithmic descriptions for digital computation. A professor and professional applied mathematician living in the 21st century who expects to be paid to solve problems using mathematics not only develops concept images with knowledge from the first six categories described above, but she also builds special knowledge of how to use digital computers to solve applied problems. This often requires specialized knowledge of computation, data encodings, and algorithms that are specifically designed to converge on finite computation machines. Now, if you think a few of these categories are solely geared towards math majors and people who are interested in STEM fields, I am currently working with two different professors in the College of Education that also have to use finite computation machines and technical skills that they develop on Excel and other programming languages to conduct the research that they do. So each and every single one of these categories I can map to many various realms of work and study. The four stages of mastery, developing concept images. Deep learning is evidenced by mastery of a concept. We will measure such learning by assessing the strength of your concept images. With this in mind, I encourage you to be aware that each time you study a new concept definition, you begin your process of developing mastery. In an academic context, Mastery refers to an attainment of a high degree of competence within a particular area. 
When developing concept images in class, we will focus on a subset of theorems, formulas, and techniques articulated in the course outline of record. To develop mastery over a specific concept definition, we will need to acquire component skills, practice integrating these skills, recognize when to apply the skills we've built, and learn how to apply the skills in novel contexts. I will encourage you to think about each learning experience as part of a four-stage process of developing mastery. Stage 1. Unconscious Incompetence In this first stage of developing mastery, the learner has not yet developed skills in a particular domain and does not have sufficient knowledge to recognize what they need to learn. Most learners who are studying a new idea from the first time start in this stage. You don't know what you don't know. Stage 2. Conscious Incompetence In the second stage of building competency with a new concept, the learner begins increasingly uh, aware of what she does not know and what she needs to learn. In this stage, the learner has just begun to construct the relevant concept image in her brain. You know that you don't know. Stage 3. Conscious Competence In this third stage of mastery, the learner has considerable competence in the new domain. The learner must think and act deliberately and consciously. However, she is now fully aware of almost all important aspects of the new knowledge she studied, and she has made meaningful connections between these new ideas and her own prior knowledge. You know that you know. Stage 4. Unconscious Competence In this fourth and final stage, the learner exercises the skills and knowledge she has acquired so automatically and instinctively that she is no longer consciously aware of what she knows or does. She is able to blend the ideas that she has mastered with many other ideas effortlessly and recall pertinent facts quickly. You forget that you know. For each idea we study, we'll imagine ourselves traveling on an adventure. At the start of this journey, when we're studying an idea that we've never seen before, we are novices. As we gain familiarity with the idea and begin to make connections between the new knowledge we study and other concepts we know, we move into the intermediate stages of mastery and represent the middle stages of our journey. After many hours of study and deep work, across weeks of a quarter or a semester, we may be lucky enough to transcend into the first stages of expert knowledge.